Let's go to the word of the Lord tonight. First Samuel 18. We'll read verses 1 through 9 tonight. <clears throat> Bible says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Him is referring to David. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out with whosoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely and set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. I preach tonight the bridge between delight and displeasure the bridge between delight displeasure the bible said that the saying displeased saul father tonight we need the help of the holy ghost god your word is anointed but my feeble lips of clay need the anointing of the holy ghost tonight I pray for the mind of God to be released upon these great people. Pray for the spirit of revelation to come. Ask God that your word would not return void, but let it accomplish your perfect will. Bless us tonight, God, and everything that happens will be to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you so much. You may be seated tonight. Just some things for us to consider at the beginning of this message tonight. Of all of the households within a 20-mile radius of this house, or of this sanctuary, I don't know how many there is. There's quite a few more here than there is within a 20-mile radius of my house in Westlake. There's a lot of homes probably in this area. But if you think about each one of these homes, each home is governed by a different set of parents, a mom, a dad, both, either or, whichever one. Each home, your home, your home is different than my home. You run your ship 
different than I run my ship. You allow certain things to go on in your house that may not fly at my house. What seems normal to me may seem abnormal to you. Vice versa. I grew up in a home, through two brothers. There was three boys. And we got to be our teenage years. And our motto was, he who hollered loudest got heard. The only way you got heard was you had to speak up. And that seems abnormal to some people. But it was normal for me to always talk as loud as I can all the time in my house because I just wanted to be heard. I wanted my opinion to matter. Got married and my wife always kept going, why are you hollering? I'm not hollering. I was just wanting to be heard. It was part of my nature. Schools are established out of necessity. However, the everyday task of running that school is executed by people who follow certain procedures laid out by individuals and their opinions. Each school is run different. Government is nothing more than people trying to prove their point, trying to get others to see things as they see it. Children try to convince teachers and parents to reduce the severity of their punishment by trying to get them to understand why they did what they did. I'm sure there's times in our life as kids, I know it was for me, I would always try to justify why I misbehaved. I would always try to justify why I did what I did. I wanted my parents to see things as I saw it. Homes, schools, government, and the whole world, past and present, is run according to people's perspectives. Human perception causes people to act or react to situations according to how they perceive that situation. You won't allow your kids to do some things because maybe you had a bad experience with this certain thing when you were younger. But brother so-and-so will let his children do it, but brother so-and-so never had a bad experience with this when he was younger. Therefore, his perception is different than yours. Your household is run according to your perception and your wife's perception or your spouse's perception. Things that you allow your children to do or not to do are governed by your perception of that situation. I know that this is a probably an older story illustration, but it will fit with my message. There are two kinds of people you know, optimism and pessimism. Everybody, half glass, the, the, the glass is half empty or it's half full. There was a guy one time who bought a dog, hunting dog, and he took that dog um, out to hunt. And to his amazement, the dog ran across the top of the water, grabbed the dog, grabbed the duck, and brought it back. He said, this is the greatest thing in the world. He shot another duck, and that dog took off across the water and didn't even, didn't even sink, just ran across it. He said, I cannot wait to tell Bob about this dog. He said, you know what? I'm not even going to tell him. I'm going to bring him hunting. So he brought Bob hunting, didn't say anything, shot the duck. Dog took off across the top of that water, grabbed the duck, came back, 
Time and time again, he wasn't saying nothing. A few ducks into it, Bob said, boy, that's such a shame. And he said, pardon me? He said, you got a dog that can't swim. It's all in how you look at your situation. Optimism versus pessimism. How you view your circumstances will determine the approach that you take in your circumstances. Stay with me. I'm building right now. The power of perception. The definition of perceive is to attain awareness or understanding of, to regard as being such, to become aware of through the senses. In essence, perception is the act of observing a situation and forming an opinion of said situation based upon human senses or emotion. Perception. Our outlook on a situation is tempered by outside sources as well as internal conditions such as thoughts and feelings. James Baldwin once said, We perceive by means of the kaleidoscopic mirror of this life. This means that our ability to perceive is at one tyrannized by our expectations and at war with them. Our perception of something, our perception of our circumstances, our perception of God will either hinder you or it will elevate you. That's the only two options when it comes to how you perceive your circumstances. When you consider tonight a circus elephant, a circus elephant, I don't know how much they weigh, but they weigh a lot. You'll see these circus elephants at a circus tied to a little iron stake in the ground. And that elephant has all the ability and the power to yank that little stake out of the ground and take off and wreak havoc on anybody. But from, from its infancy, that elephant is tied to a huge iron rod in the ground and pulls and pulls and pulls until it exhausts itself pulling. And the perception is established in its mind. It doesn't matter how much I pull. I'll never be able to pull it out of the ground. And so it grows up with that perception. And when it weighs thousands of pounds, you can tie it to a straw in the ground. Because the perception is, it doesn't matter how hard I pull. I'll never be able to pull it out of the ground. So it is with humans. So it is with the saints of the living God. Just as the elephant formed an opinion of the stake, we form opinions based upon our perceptions of what we've gone through and what we will go through. We have perceptions. Perceptions. To understand the present text, we must examine the events that transpired prior to what I read this evening. So allow me to go back just a few chapters and catch you up to speed 
Goliath was challenging the Israelite army. He was the one that was, um, he was challenging not only the army, but he was challenging the God of the army. He was challenging Jehovah. All were afraid except one who stood up and said, you know what, boys? I just believe that there's a cause here that I, I'll fight for it. David stood up, went to battle with the giant, and defeated him by the help of the Lord. After David cut off the head of Goliath, the men of Judah arose and fled after the Philistine army. They defeated the Philistines. After they defeated the Philistines, they went back to their tents, and they spoiled the tents, and they took all that they had. And Saul told Abner, Abner, I don't know who, know who that boy is, but you go find that boy that killed Goliath. And when you find him, you bring him to me. So when he found Goliath, or when he found David, David identified himself, identified his family, told him who he was. And it's here that we begin chapter 18. And after they are through speaking, the bond between David and Jonathan is formed. This is where that the, their souls are basically knit together. Saul took a liking to David, demanding that he no longer live at home, but rather with him and Jonathan. It was then that it was then that Jonathan stripped off his garment, gave it to David, fell in love with him, gave everything that he had. He was so excited to have David as a friend living with him. Saul promoted David and placed him over the armies of Israel. He was loved. He was accepted. Everything was great. Saul was delighted to have David around. Welcome to the fold. This is the best day of our life. The one that killed the enemy. The one that killed Goliath when no one else would. He is with us. Come live with us. David was part of him. Saul was so happy. But the Bible says in verses 6 through 8, and it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the sword of the Philistine that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased. Saul's perception caused him to become furious, marking David from that day forward. But Saul missed the whole point of the party. Saul, you missed it, son. Could you put verse 6 back up on the screen for me? Here's the whole point. The women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. So they were there for David. So they came for you. They may have mentioned David, but the whole point of the party, the whole point of the instruments, the whole point of the music was because they were coming to praise the king. They were coming to sing your glory. They were coming to worship you and, and tell you what a great king you were. But his perception, his perception, it displeased Saul. And that day Saul walked across the bridge 
between delight and displeasure. Perception is the bridge between delight and displeasure. Because Saul, if you would have really had a good perception of what was going on, you'd have never gotten mad at David. You'd have never marked him. You'd have never tried to take him out from that day forward because you'd have understood the situation. But somewhere in the midst of the celebration, he thought David was getting too much mention and David was getting too much attention. And he made the trip from delight to displeasure. Ian Percy stated the following, we judge others by their behavior. We judge ourselves by our intentions. You know, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17 through 18 is a remarkable passage, and I'll read it to you tonight. It says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away the wrath from him. you got to really listen to what Solomon is saying in that scripture. This is what he's saying. When we judge others by their actions, when we judge other people when they fall, when they mess up, when they do things that maybe they were not proud of and they should not have done, when we judge them and we allow our judgment to be verbalized and we talk about what happened, in essence, We are delighting in their folly. We may act concerned. We may sound concerned. We may put a spiritual connotation on it. But by you mentioning it, you're delighting in it. And when you do so, you prevent God from casting judgment or visiting the person with his wrath because you've already executed your wrath and your judgment on that person. You know, you'll see people walk away from God or in church maybe, and they do horrible things. And you wonder how God hasn't taken action against them, if you please. It's probably because mankind already did. Because when you take action against them and you talk about them and you try to make them a a eyesore in the public, then God says, you know what? I had all of this lined up to come against them as a result of their actions. But because you think you know best and you're going to go talk about it to everybody, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to remove all of my wrath that was going to visit that person. And my wrath would have been much more, much worse than what you've done. But you took it upon yourself to let your wrath come upon that person. Perception. We judge others by their behavior. But when we mess up, we try to justify it because you don't know what I meant. We judge ourselves by our intent. Although we may have, we may have just really dropped the watermelon and made a fool of ourselves. We'll try to justify our actions. 
Because we knew what we were trying to do. We knew what we really meant behind it. It's amazing how we cast judgment on a situation without knowing what really happened. Let me just tell you this, and, and I, I'm, I'm doing a little more preaching tonight, but I'm just going to walk with it. If the man of God came up here and grabbed the microphone and told everybody's business, just went down the line, just started over here and went down everybody and just spilled the beans of everything he knew, your perception of people would change in an instant. Because you formed opinions of people and their mess-ups, but you don't know the whole story. He does. God does. We, could, we shouldn't cast judgment on people when we don't know what's even going on. We have no clue. But we're going to come up here and we're going to act like we know what's going on. And we're going to try to tell people to pray for these people you don't know what's going on. We're quick to justify our own actions. We're quick to sweep our own mistakes under the rug. The dangerous road to walk, though, is when we allow our perceptions to be transferred to other people. Then our venom has contaminated their innocent mind. And they were merely helpless in regards to defending those people that we were talking about. I'm just going to be honest. I'm always trying to be honest, but I'm going to be honest now. There are some people, I do not want them bringing anybody to church with them. I don't want them winning anybody to God. I want everybody to be saved. But there are some people that will only duplicate themselves if they bring an innocent person into this church, or not this church, but the church. And that person is helpless. It should be that when somebody brand new comes in, that they are not tainted by any outside elements. All they're coming in here to see is God and to feel his presence and to fall in love with. They don't need to be worried about who did what to you and who said this and, and who didn't do this and and. They, when they come in, they need to see the cross. They need to see the love of God. But there's some people that they, they'll pick somebody up to go to church, and on the way here, they're just filling their ears full of garbage about, about people, nonsense, stuff that shouldn't, that person should never even hear it. I cringe when I've seen some people bring visitors to church. I'm going, please, let somebody, I'll go pick them up. I don't want you driving those people to church. I don't want your bad spirit rubbing off on somebody else and you trying to get you a little alliance built in the kingdom of God who will see things your way. No. Don't, don't spread that business. See, your perception of God and your circumstances will determine how you react to your circumstances. If you perceive that God abandoned you, then you set yourself up for depression and bitterness. Because you feel like that you're fighting this thing by yourself. You feel alienated. But if you perceive that God is using your adversity to shape you on the potter's wheel, then you're going to be pliable. You're going to be prayerful. Because it's all in your perception of God in your circumstances. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 23 and 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
Your perception of people will reflect your perception of God. If you love God, you're going to love people. If you're skeptical of God, you'll be skeptical with people. Your heart, which is controlled by perception, will be revealed by what you say. Matthew said, O generation, or or Jesus said in Matthew, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things for out of the abundance? Perception. Perception. That word heart is used interchangeably in the word of God with mind. So Jesus is saying out of the abundance of the mind, the mouth speaking. Perception causes many things. It causes offense. It causes confusion. It causes misunderstanding, division, backsliding. Perception can wreak havoc on people's spiritual walk with God. Perception. You'll find people, you know them, I know them. They've left the church. They've left God. And every time you see see them, they say, everything's fine. We're going to be okay. We're blessed with the Lord. Reality is that somewhere along the way, they took a little trip from the land of the light where they were so in love with God and he was the best thing that ever happened. They walked across the bridge of perception and they settled in the land of displeasure. Marcel Proust penned these words. It is seldom indeed that one parts on good terms. Because if one were on good terms, one would not part. People who walk away from God, when you trace it all back, you're going to find they were hurt. They were offended. Somewhere along the way, their perception of God shifted. No longer was he the best thing that ever happened. All they could see were the wrong things in their life. All they could see was those things that hurt them. What was once a delightful encounter with God soon became a place of displeasure. Because if they were still in love with God, they'd still be in the church. They'd still be worshiping Him. Perception. Perception. The servant was standing with Elijah. All he saw was impossibility. Musicians, if you'd come, please. All he saw, stand with me, was the things that was fixing to overtake him, those things that he didn't understand, those those impossible situations. We, We find ourselves in the same boat. We'll get to where all we see is all the things that are impossible in our life. Those things that we can't make any sense of, We can't figure out why God allowed this to happen. I can sit here and go on and on and on. But perception, the right perception will shift your focus from your impossibilities to God's possibilities. You can't let your impossibility eclipse God's possibilities. Because if all you focus on is the negative, If all you focus on is what's impossible in your life, it will affect every avenue of your spiritual walk with God. When you go to prayer, all you'll find yourself doing is praying about what's wrong in your life. 
You just keep going back and you just keep churning that same wheel. You, you just keep going and grinding it again and again and again. And then you'll get depressed because God's not answering. Well, try praising him. Try thanking him. By doing this, you're shifting, you're adjusting your, pers- your perception and your perspective on your situation. I know people who claim to have the joy of the Lord. but It looks like they just ate lemons all the time. They're so sour-faced. They're so upset. This, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it. The world's not going to take it away. But your joy... It's contingent upon your perception of God. And when that servant was standing with the prophet, all he saw was doom and gloom. All he saw was impossibility. And the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes. Give him a different perception. All of the armies didn't fade. That impossible situation was still before him. But all God did was change his perception. And when he did, he saw the horses, the chariots of fire. He said, you know what? My circumstances are just as bad as they were before the prayer. But after the prayer, I saw that there's more for me than against me. And I tell you tonight, your circumstances may not change after one prayer, but your perception will. That mountain that you're facing is still going to look impossible after your prayer. But your focus will shift from your impossibility to God's possibility. I pray tonight, God, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Let us focus on what you can do. And not those impossible situations. I purposefully tonight slowed things down. We've had a, we've had a wonderful revival thus far. But I felt like there were people in the building tonight that you've, you're, you're facing things that you really do not understand. You can't make heads or tails of what you're going through. You've prayed, you've begged, you've prayed for wisdom, you've asked God to give you direction. All of those things. And that's fine. That's all part of praying. But tonight, I want you to pray, God, shift my perception. Open my eyes. I may not be able to change my circumstance when I walk out those doors. But I can change my perception of my circumstances. And when I focus on your power, when I focus on what you can do, then I take my hands off of it and I put it in your hands. Tonight, I invite everyone to the front. And I'm going to pray over everyone in the building. I, I, on one hand, I like to know what people are going through so I can sympathize with them and help them pray. But on the other hand, I don't want to know what you're going through. Because then we'll be focusing on the impossibilities. Well, tonight we should be focusing on God's possibilities and God's power and what he can do. Shall we lift our hands all across this place? God, tonight you see every person in this building. 
God, you see the husband, the wife, the grandma, the grandpa, the child. Lord, you see the things that they're facing that, God, they may have been battling them a long time. Lord, you see the lost loved ones that are associated with them. You've seen the prayers. You've bottled the tears. God, I'm asking tonight, would you open their eyes that they may see you in their circumstances and that they'll realize that there's more for them than against them. Would you pray all across the building right now? Would you get a hold of God right now? Would you get a hold of God right now in the name of Jesus? Landaraye sandarabaya kotorayondo yosoto yolabaha.